Hey, are you here? Yes, there you are. Well, since you're here, shall we not begin this episode of The Paul Leslie Hour? Glad you could make it. You know, in the 20 years that Paul's been interviewing folks, one person has appeared more than any other, Peter Mayer. Now, maybe you've heard Peter Mayer's music and you, as well as we, are under his spell. Peter Mayer's a phenomenal singer, songwriter, and guitarist. Now, if you've seen Peter Mayer live, you know it's the best show in town. Peter also heads up the Little Flock Music record label, and he fronts the Peter Mayer Group. He was Jimmy Buffett's lead guitarist, starting as far back as, well, 1989. The second interview of Peter Mayer was broadcast on the radio to get the word out about Peter's album, Still in One Piece, P-E-A-C-E. Now, Peter Mayer talked about the Still in One Piece album and about writing songs with Mac McAnally and talked about Jimmy Buffett's reaction to his work and plenty of other subjects, including food. Now, keep all that in mind. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible by listeners like you. You can support independent media, giving to yourself and to others the gift of stories. Go to www.thepaulleslie.com slash support, and we thank you. Okay, real quick. You are encouraged to see Peter Mayer and friends this Christmas season. There's a chance the Stars and Promises Christmas concert will be coming your way. Check it out. Visit petermayer.com. The tour begins November 30th in Indiana and ends December 22nd in South Carolina. You're about to hear a fantastic interview, but until recently, half of it was lost. We were worried that it was gone forever. But thanks to Jeff Pike, one of the missing discs was uncovered. We found it. We're pleased to make this interview available to you. So you're hearing the first half and the last half. Let's begin. It's time to hear the lost Peter Mayer interview right here, right now. We're sitting down with the front man for the Peter Mayer Group and the head of the Little Flock Music Record label. He's been the lead guitarist for Jimmy Buffett's Coral Reefer Band for just under 20 years now. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to welcome back for a second visit singer, songwriter, and guitarist, Mr. Peter Mayer. Hey, guys. It's good to be here. Suffering from a little bit of a bronchitis cold, but I'm going to try to spit and sputter out the words here as we go. Well, it is our pleasure to welcome you back, Mr. Mayer. We're going to talk about your newest release, Still in One Piece. To my ears, this album sounded very different from the previous Peter Mayer releases. There were some different musicians who performed on the album and some different songwriters who you wrote with. But what I am wondering is, did you intend to go a different direction in your music? I think with each album, they're, they're kind of like children. They get a life of their own, and you, as much as you want to tame and, <laughs> and direct, and as much as you can offer a foundation, at some point you have to just kind of let go and let them spin and down the block, and they're going to break some china along the way as well. 
it can, it can raise terror in your heart because you don't know what's coming, but that's also a wonderful part about it because sometimes you're just out and out surprised. What so wonderfully shapes this record as it goes is that a few different people were involved and then some old friends as well. And it was really fun to get into it for that reason because everybody brings something else to the party. And lo and behold, I'm so lucky to work with these people because they, they, they're so magnificent at what they do and they shape and form the music as they go. And I'm talking about people, uh, old friends, uh, Jim and Roger, Jim Mayer, Roger Guth. Mac McAnally, who's become an old friend along the way, just a wonderfully talented songwriter and guitar player as well. And uh, newcomers like Maggie Estes on violin, and relatively newcomers like Billy Payne, the magnificent piano player with little feet. And they go on and on. Scott Bryan, old friend, Mark Torlina on bass, relatively new to the band, but also bringing his own gift along the way. So it was really a wonderful experience in that, because sometimes I just had to let go and, and see what happened. <laughs> I think because of all those different influences, it, it couldn't help but be something different. And I'm relatively pleased that it was different, too. You mentioned a lot of the people that you play with and record with. It's been a pleasure to welcome almost all of those people, your flock of artists, as special guests on Time After Island Time. You've surrounded yourself with some of the most talented musicians around. Every single episode we did drew new listeners, but the show that got the most mail was the special we did with your general manager, Mike Davis. I thought that was very interesting, but do you have any idea as to why Mike Davis drew the largest crowd? Well, I am embarrassed to say that I have not heard the Mike Davis interview yet, and this makes me so mad because I kept setting my alarms, trying to get a time to listen to it, and either something came up or my brain fizzled. So I will come clean and say I haven't heard it yet, but Mike is, is I think, going to get me a copy, or maybe I'll get a copy through you guys if you'd be so kind. I can understand why so many people would be interested in hearing Mike's take because he's been the man behind the scenes in the shake mover and shaker through so much of this wonderful journey that we've been on. He's been a, not only a great friend to me, and I mean that in the most honest way. He's been there when I needed him the most, and he's been there even when I didn't need him, which is the sign of a true friend. He's just one of the best communicators that I have met. He knows how to call you and keep in touch, and he is really pretty selfless in his giving. He's always been so generous with his time and support of us. And he also knows all those inner secrets of how we <laughs> whittle through this and that to make things happen. And he knows us with all of our bathroom humor and all that. You know, it's not the spit, spit polish Peter Mayer or Peter Mayer group or Little Flock artists. Mike knows us as the uh, fallible human beings that we are and that sometimes do it right and sometimes, quite honestly, fall on our face. So he's going to have a lot of the story behind us. It wouldn't be the Peter Mayer Little Flock artist story without, without Mike there. So I've got to send a thank you out to him as well. But I look forward to hearing it, Mike. I'm not letting you down. I'm not letting you down. We're sitting down with Peter Mayer today. Peter Mayer is the front man for the Peter Mayer Group and head of the Little Flock music record label. Mr. Mayer, what is it about Little Flock that makes it different from most labels? Little Flock as a label is different because of the way it, it was started. It was started as a co-op and not as basically a, a money bank for the music industry. It was, if I sound a little cynical, that's kind of the way most labels, I think, got their start is that it's like, hey, we can invest a couple bucks or maybe five bucks in in cost to this and, and make, you know, triple that or whatever in, in money. And in the old days, it was, we can invest one and get five or six back, whatever record albums cost in the beginning. 
And it was a great way to make money, and absolutely they provided a service, but I think it got out of hand. And what Little Flock decided to do was, hey, we all make music together. There's Scott Kirby, there's Jim Mayer, there's Roger Guth. There's a host of different players that all bring something different to the table. Let's just coexist in a co-op and help each other out. I'll provide the machinery. And I can't forget to mention Ms. Terry Litter in that because she has been just an amazing force behind a lot of this. A lot of this could not have happened without her. But we'll, we'll get this infrastructure, if you will, together and allow people to do what they do best without all the other hassles. Now, granted, we can't provide the huge promotional end and the, the strength of some of these other labels in order to get it out there on the market, but we can do what we do, which is offer an avenue for people to find us. And now with the inter- Internet, a lot of this has, has opened wide as well. You know, the, To find someone is easier these days because of the Internet and the, what it offers us with the business. The other part to the little flock difference is there are people involved who make this a personal endeavor and who we are good friends with that we stay close to and we play on each other's albums we contribute to each other's lives and it's a unique setup in that way peter speaking of the title track of the new album still in one piece and that's spelled p-e-a-c-e for all the listeners at home what was the inspiration behind that song Still in One Piece was a gift from a friend of mine in Colorado. He started signing off his emails with Still in One Piece. He's a pastor friend of mine. And uh, probably by now it's, it's no secret that I've had a long relationship. I grew up in the church. My father was a Lutheran minister, my missionary mother. And so I've had a long history with the church. And in the last maybe five, six, seven, eight years, that's uh, come out a little bit more in the music. And we've been recording and placing more music out there that that talks about that relationship, that relationship of faith and all. But this one title struck me because it was so universal and so right for me right at this time that we are right now. (laughs) If you listen to the CD, there are so many influences in there. A little bit of Joe Cocker influences you hear today from my voice. (laughs) But there's some jazz. There is old PM influence. If you listen to Still in One Piece, you hear a little bit of that Roger Guth, Jim Mayer, groove that was reminiscent of Peace of Paradise. There's brand new in, in uh, maybe Heaven Help Us or some of the other ones. The new and the old put together before and after is a little bit of almost bluegrassy, you know, kind of hypnotic stuff. It's It was such a challenge to figure out how do we even decide what order the tunes are in. When I met with my brother Jim, who is just a genius at, at uh, we call sequencing songs, putting them down on the the CD in, in the order they're going to appear on the final album. He said, hey, man, let's just let the differences ride. you got a lot of stuff here. It's coming from all over the place, but that's who you are, too. I mean, you've played with Buffett. you played with Henley. you played in your own band over the years. You've gotten the influences of the Mac McAnally's and Rogers and Jim's and, and Pat Metheny's through, you know, through the years. Why not go ahead and let that live? Because you still stand under that one umbrella of music and under the spirit, still in one piece. And what I like about this song, too, is that it can be applied to a very sacred spiritual situation. And then it can also be kind of a mantra for someone going through their day that they're having a tough time keeping it all together. Everything, to me, ends up with spiritual overtones because I, I don't think I'd survive without that. It also can be kind of a, a comfort to those who are feeling life uh, shattered into pieces like we are, you know, like so many things to do, so many concerns and elements around us. 
This is Paul Leslie sitting down here with Mr. Peter Mayer. Peter, one of the cool things about this album is that you got together with fellow coral reefer Mr. Mac McAnally on some of the songs. How did writing songs with Mr. McAnally for your solo music come about? My relationship with Mac started through my relationship with Jimmy, and I thank Jimmy for that. Mac and Jimmy have been good friends before any of us were, were friends, really. And it was pretty clear after the first time I heard Mac play, and then, then I heard him sing, and then I heard him play piano, and then I heard him arrange backup vocalists, vocal parts, <laughs> and then I heard him write lyrics. It's just this guy, he's got a, a lion's share of, of music in him. Once I heard that, you mix that with, a, with an, another tendency of Max to be Mr. Generous in that he will give you his time in a way that many people are hesitant to do unless you do it for hire. Mac will say, well, listen, if you want, I'll, I'll try a take on that or whatever. And just it's been a real lesson for me. And I want to thank Mac for that. But on, on this CD, most of it was done in, in kind of panic state in that I really wanted to get a CD done. And I had ideas for all these songs and I believed in them. But I didn't know how in the heck they were going to come about. <laughs> and so with a few of them, I went to my most trusted confidants in Mac being one of them musically and said, hey, man, I've got this title and I've got a few verses or I've got sketches of verses. I, I need someone to help me assemble and to tell me whether this is a, a piece of doggy poop or whether this is worth putting out there. And he took him, he took him on. And I, I'd go over to his house and we'd sit down. He'd play me a little idea like the one for me, that chorus he came up with. In other words, played me this melody. And I thought, oh boy, that's really different than I had originally thought of it. And then through that difference, we started putting together a whole song together. I wrote the verses and I kind of set it up so that it would be kind of a, a, a constant groove on that A minor there. It was just a really wonderful way to work together. And that happened with several of the tunes. In certain instances, like on uh, Dirty Hands, Dirty Feet, I credited him on that and he was a big part of make, moving that song forward. But it was more in spirit than anything. He just was one of those people along the ways who said, no, you got something here. You should, you should go ahead and finish it. And here's my take on it. And he gave me a few verses and went with it. You know, So it's really been great to work with him, and, and I value that a lot. But I think what I value most of all, more actually than the content, because content you can kind of pack in your bag and take away with you, but I value the spirit in which he did it, which kind of teaches me once again to, to pass it on. One of the songs that you wrote with Mr. Mac McAnally is called Dirty Hands, Dirty Feet, and it features John Lovell on trumpet. How did you guys come up with that song? Well, we were sitting in the backyard of Mark Turlina's place in South St. Louis, and Scott started playing this really funky... And I'm no, I'm no beatboxer, but I heard that coming out of his home. And then I heard Mark playing this cool bass line. And I turned on my Apple computer and, and started recording it. And later I listened to it. And I've, I've had that title for a while. I think I got it off of the NPR. They were, they were doing some kind of, I don't even remember what the article was about. But at the end of it with saying, dirty hands and dirty feet. And I loved it because it reminded me of how we just like neat and clean. We all like to, to get it down and then keep it down and have it down pat, you know, and all that stuff. And uh, it just ain't that way, whether you're talking about life, love, uh, spirituality, or chocolate chip cookies. It just, it just ain't clean and easy. 
You've got to be able to get your hands dirty if you're going to grow at all. You're going to need to get your feet dusty if you're going to move off the rock that, on which you stand. So that's that's the kind of the, the bent of the song. <laughs> that song was kind of the problem child in, in that I knew there was something there, and I knew it was going to be bitching, but I had no idea how this was all going to come together. So I spent a week at the beach writing the music to it on you know time away from the, the actual... Uh, surf you know I'd, I'd kind of hole up in my room and work on it and record bits and pieces put that together and then i literally finished the lyric the night that i recorded the vocals and i was going absolutely crazy i i was totally frightened that i was not going to get this done one thing I, that was proved to me during this cd was that you know dream it and and it will build and it will come i'm trying to get this quote right from field dreams but you have a dream and if you work honestly and and true and then wait for the best of what you got and the best of what's around you to answer, eventually you will come up with something. You'll have something to sing. Thank God it worked out because uh, that night I kind of finished it up with Here Comes Those Kids in Capes. I knew kind of where I wanted to go with that bridge, but I, I, I didn't find it till that night. We're welcoming back Mr. Peter Mayer, the front man for the Peter Mayer Group and Jimmy Buffett's lead guitarist for just under 20 years. Peter... There's a great collection of hymns at the end of the album, and it includes terrific fiddling, in my opinion, for Miss Maggie Estes, and she was a recent guest on our show. She really shines on All Fly Away, so tell us about why you included the spiritual medley, and tell us about Maggie Estes as well. Well, that's easy. Maggie's been an absolute joy to have on board. She's young, which brings a, a certain wonderful energy to the group. She's excited about playing. She's humble. You know, but she's willing to step up and do her thing when it's time. It's it's just really been fantastic to have her on board. I have to say that, remembering that we have had incredible fiddle players, violin players through the years, Emily, leader. Along the way, we've had some really, really talented players, Laura Cortese. But it's just been great to work with Maggie. She brings a young spirit to it and a, a sense of excellence that's really put us put us all forward. Now, with that, she also is young enough to not have not having had some of the experience that some of the other players have had, but but that will come over time, and, and uh, it's still all good. The hymn medley was included because we've been doing it live, and I really wanted to get it down on record. And that idea of putting a, a series of hymns in this CD when it's really not a stated, this is not a gospel CD, but it was something I wanted to do because it's a part of my life, and I love these songs. They're good songs, like Yesterday is a good song. And uh, I Am the Walrus, <laughs> although Amazing Grace may not fit on most people's playlists along with I Am the Walrus, but I regard them in the same way. They say it right on. They don't waste any time. They get to the point, and it's, it's a, it, it changes your life when you sing it or when you play it. And it gave us a chance to do it differently and do it in our own, our own voice. And that I'll Fly Away is just stunning with Maggie doing that, that arrangement. She borrowed bits and pieces from other arrangements, and then we wrote some chord changes behind it and did it that way. Obviously, there are a few songs you and Roger Guth wrote that your boss Jimmy Buffett really likes because you recorded them, like Blue Guitar and Lucky Stars. But what about some of the other songs? When you have a new album, does he ever come to you to comment on the music? And if he does, does he have a song that he's mentioned that he likes in particular? Yeah. Jimmy's uh, really generous with that. He went after Music Box was completed. He came up and and mentioned that he really enjoyed the CD, and he he said, "Hey, 
you know, how are you putting that out? And, you know, Jimmy is, <laughs> he is an amazing, not only amazing performer, but he's, he's a marketer. He is a, a person who knows how things change hands. He does it very, very well. And he's always thinking, Hey, what, what are connections? If we, you know, and, and I've just decided to continue at this point to put CDs out on Little Flock, but he has Mailboat. And I think he was asking me, Hey, would you consider this as a home for this? But he decided that maybe it wasn't time at that, that point. I, I decided that actually, but he's been incredibly supportive. And, and that goes back to Green Eyed Radio when he came and he said, Man, I really like that song, The Onion. I mean, and I think in a way, The Onion's about him. If you, if you think it through, I mean, the party crasher, you know, someone who's coming to, to shake things up a little bit. I think he, he identified with that. And I really enjoyed that song. And I remember, it must have been way back when, when it came out, we actually performed that on a couple of the Jimmy Buffett gigs. So, Well, speaking of Mr. Buffett, hypothetically speaking, if it suddenly ended tomorrow, that is, he stopped recording and touring, what would you see yourself doing? Well, I'm a lousy plumber. I certainly am not a hairstylist. But I love to play that guitar. And I love to sing. And Lord willing, I'm going to be able to keep doing that. And I also would say, if it was our last day today, for whatever reason, you know, with this whole Coral Reefer thing and all the years we've spent with that, I would say thank you. I would say this has been quite an honor, an unusual journey, mind you, but it has been quite an honor to be part of this crazy adventure. I'm just so happy that almost 20 years later I can say we kind of made it through (laughs) And with with minor scars, we certainly have those, but we made it through, and it's been a learning journey. It's been a fun journey. Jim Mayer and I talk about this a lot. I I say Jim Mayer because there's Jimmy, Mr. Buffett, but Jim Mayer is called Jim Mayer in our company. But we talk about how Jimmy's taught us to have fun, and he just loves to to play and work in those, those realms and prefers not to get out of those realms. I appreciate that. I would just say thank you. Thank you for the journey, and... It's a good feeling knowing that you've got nothing really to lose, that sure, I'd miss everybody, but I've got memories enough for many, many years to come, and that's all good. We're sitting down on this episode with Mr. Peter Mayer, the front man for the Peter Mayer Group, and Jimmy Buffett's lead guitarist for almost 20 years now. Working back to the album, Still in One Piece, I was hoping you could tell us about the song Waterfall, and given whom you wrote the song with, how do you feel about this next generation of songwriters? That's kind of a funny story because you'll notice if you take a second to look at the publishing notes that my son's publishing uh, company is called Sex Dragon Music. And that was interesting, sitting next to uh, <laughs> the waterfall about the flowing of the spirit and love coming down. But hey, you know, it's all it's all tied in there together somehow in a very complicated and it's in comedic fashion. Adam Rogers' son called me one day and said, hey, I've got a career day in my high school. Can I follow you around for a day and see what a musician does? And I said, are you sure you really want to do that? And he said, yeah, I want to do that. He came on over. I had to make coffee, which is the first thing in any musician's life that you do. And I had him practice with me for a while. I had him watch while I did some emails and he got some more coffee. <laughs> but at some point I said, okay, now we're going to write together because that's that's what you do. And, and mind you, this doesn't happen every day, but... Uh, that's, that's what you'd hope in a, in a perfect day. And so I was working on a bridge. I said, what do you think? This is rust or diamonds. You know, you wonder who you are, under who you are. And I kind of started playing it for him and talking about the lyric set. And I said, what do you, I, I'm having trouble 
following that. What do you think? And they, my son, Brandon and Adam came up with some really good ideas. And I was impressed. I thought, man, they're thinking it through. And they, they already get what it means. And for 17 and 18 years old, I thought, that's pretty cool, man, that, that they're, they're diving in there. And so I said, well, you know what, guys? You, you contributed. I'm putting you down as, as part songwriters. And it was, it was a pleasure to do that. So they're, they're along with me. I think Adam used his dad's uh, publishing name. And we also have Sex Dragon Music. We're talking today with guitarist, singer, songwriter Peter Mayer. Peter, I didn't get to ask you this on the first interview we did together, which is surprising, but I was hoping you could tell us who your biggest influences are. I have to start with the Beatles and church music, you know, because those are the earliest things I heard. So hymns, I guess you could say. And they're not like I was looking to burn CDs of my favorite hymns and have them playing, you know, in my thumper car stereo or whatever. But they touched me first, you know. And so they're going to leave a, a little burn there that you you got to keep going back to. When I came back over to the States, then we had, you know, Jimi Hendrix and the wave of the 60s, Paul and Simon and Art Garfunkel, and just that amazing singer-songwriter pair, and still the Beatles. Then on to Elton John, Pat Metheny for guitar, Wes Montgomery when I started in my jazz period, Miles Davis, you know, it could go on and on and on. But for guitar, really, probably have to be a combination of Jeff Beck, Pat Metheny and, and James Taylor. I mean, somewhere in there. I mean, there's a guy named Ralph Towner as well that is just an amazing, he's got an amazing sense of harmony, and I steal a lot of his stuff that you should check out. Ralph Towner, he's a classical guitar player. Then through my life, influences in my life, then on to Jimmy Buffett, is a very unlikely pairing in some ways because I was kind of coming from a jazz Nazi stance a couple of years before I joined up with Jimmy and with Raj and Jim. But man, what a songwriter. If you take the time to look through and listen through, which I've had, I've had 20 years to do so, it's just amazing. There's, there's quite a handle on, on the spark of life there, so that's a, that's a good thing. One of my favorite songs on the album is Before and After. What inspired that song? Boy, I'm glad you said that, because that's one of my favorites, too. In fact, the album was supposed to be called Before and After. I got vetoed by someone, you know who you are. There's a couple guitars playing. It wasn't a big band thing at all. I think we have Scott Bryan stamping on the floor. But I kind of like that timeless, unconditional love theme that that thing has. And it could be for your, your kid. It could be for your spouse or for your girlfriend or boyfriend. You know, across the way, it could be what God has said to God's children kind of thing. If you're going to talk a spiritual realm, all of that would work with that song and and it meant all of the above to me i guess that was another one that was finished 11th hour <laughs> i think it was in a hotel room in santa barbara california and i was taking walks every two hours just to get, to clear my mind and i think i finished that at two or three in the morning but i feel close to that song when someone hears your music either on an album or live what is it that you hope the listener gets from the experience i hope it moves you i hope it moves them and because that's what happened to me when I heard the Beatles or Elton John or, or any of those people. Classical music, too. It just it makes, you, it makes you rise above. I'm not really good at comedy songs. I'm not, <laughs> I like to be funny. Sometimes I'm funny at home and stuff and, and goof around. But I always kind of love the chill that you got when it's like, oh, my God, something just happened. That little chill in the, in the back of my spine is proof to me that it's real. 
something as simple as that told you that something just passed through the room and it wasn't you, it wasn't them, it was some third party that we probably should pay attention to. That's what I hope that, that people get, even when it's either Romeo's Garage or stirring up the water. I guess I would hope that somehow in there it touches people. Everyone is wondering how you will answer this next question. What is your all-time favorite meal? Well, I grew up in India, so I love Indian food. And Indian food seems to inspire terror and also absolute joy and craziness. I mean, they love it. But it's, it doesn't seem to have a whole lot of in-between fans. But I really love a place called Woodlands here in Nashville. And it's a vegetarian place where they have Italy and dosa and all these incredible foods. Now, I, I don't like that for every meal because it's kind of heavy. So for lunch, I make Pete's quesadillas. I, I saute garlic and onions, put some Lowry salt in there, add some frozen vegetables or fresh vegetables cut up, and then I use soy cheese or cow cheese, whatever your preference, and put them on a kind of a whole wheat tortilla and, and mix everything together and close it up. And man, it is good. That's what I make almost every every lunch here when I'm at home. I, I mean, I've had uh, over the over the road of the last 20 years and beyond i've had some just incredible meals but the meals are also the company you keep during them you know i've had some great nights in france and along the the jimmy tour where we've just been served probably some of the best food and wine anywhere although i still love those little quiet quesadilla moments at home as always this broadcast is going out all over the world so what would you peter mayer like to say to all of those people listening in i'd like to say thank you Thank you for listening, being there, keeping in touch through email or in person sometimes. You come up during the concerts at time, from time to time. Thanks for being friends of ours, uh, fans. But to me, that it, it's all starting to wash into that friend realm because that's what it's all about. And I just look forward to doing this till I drop. In whatever way that happens, I'd like to say thank you for allowing me to do that and supporting and keeping in touch. And I look forward to many more down the road. Thank you so much, Peter Mayer, for the exclusive interview. We thank you and appreciate you dropping in for the Paul Leslie Hour today. You know, you can help the Paul Leslie Hour in our mission to provide independent media content like this by visiting www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. We truly thank you. This is your announcer speaking. Performance of the Entertainer intro song and Corina Corina outro song courtesy of John Primerano. Well, that's it for today. So until next time, be safe and be good. <laughs>